0: Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast.
1: Oh, yes! Thank you, big voice in the sky. We are back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast, and we are live! We are live and in person in all three dimensions in high-quality audio here from uh, the headquarters of CBSports.com in sunny South Florida, uh, joined by my my favorite people, uh, Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli. Gentlemen, how are we doing?
0: Well, good. I, I feel... I feel like I'm in the Thunderdome right now a little bit. Like for those that obviously you can't see us, it's a small table, three people sitting around this very small table, kinda an arm's distance from each other. We're gonna scrape and claw and, and scrap our way through this and, and and find some lock winners. We can actually hold hands if you want and okay. form like a little <laughs> circle. And maybe, you know,
2: get get the vibes going that way. We'll see.
1: All right, so um the, the, this is a big show because um, it's it's a double jingle um, because we've got to do our win totals and we've got to do our locks. So uh, you want to call for the jingle?
0: Wait, is there, is there multiple jingles here?
1: I think we've got to do
0: both jingles because it's our oh, final win right. totals That's jingle yes.
1: and uh, the locks jingle. Yeah, We're yeah, do yeah. Double us locks. up. Let's see it.
0: As much as I think it's the, the under Count is a safe up. play, like I can't even... Count them up!
1: Ball.
0: i can't fathom who wins
1: how I many you are gonna win this fall
0: i just can't i don't see it They're not it's not on there it's not, not the schedule i'm looking at unless there's another schedule somewhere
1: we're picking locks
0: my blue plate special five-star locks are coming come
1: get these locks five-star master lock lock it up
0: These locks. I'm, I'm I'm living and dying every every point every cover.
1: All right, so here's the deal. Um, number one, thank you for your feedback. We've had everyone asking for the locks. Uh, we've been putting out these win t- total shows. I feel like we've gotten a pretty good reaction from them, but the the hunger has been for these locks. I've been listening to the
2: Win Total podcast, trying to get a read on you guys just for this specific podcast, so I know. When to zig when you guys are going to zag?
0: Yeah, we we gave away some tells. Yeah, you did. I don't know, man. We didn't dig into um, Conference USA and Mountain <laughs> West quite quite enough to <laughs> to satiate you, so we'll, we we left you some some meat on the bone for that.
1: All right, let's uh, we'll jump into it. A minimum three, no max, just like we do every single week with the Locks Podcast. Uh, I will let you, Tom Fernelli, kick us off. Well, I'm
2: going to start off with a team that I was a huge fan of last year that I am not quite as sold on this year. I think it's going to take a step backwards. I am taking the under six on Purdue's win total for 2018. Wow, wow. Yeah, I was, I'm a huge Jeff Braum fan. I've loved him for years, and I loved what he was able to do last year in his first year with the Boilermakers. But as good as Braum was with that offense, with his play calling, taking Purdue to another level and helping improve it, the key to that team last year was its defense it wasn't an elite defense but it was solid enough and a, it is a such a huge improvement over what purdue had been that it helped lead them to a bowl game well most of that defense is gone this year it was it was a lot of seniors a lot of juco transfers who came in did their jobs right away and now they've moved on and they've gone and i just think that we're not going to see a big step back. We're not going to go to the you know Daryl Hazel years where Purdue's going 2-10 again this year. But I think that they're going to struggle to get to six wins. You look at their schedule. They open up with Northwestern. They've got tough non-conference games against both Missouri and Boston College. They're more winnable games on the year, like the teams that you would think they could beat, the Nebraskas, the Illinois, the Minnesotas, the Indianas. These are all road games, which adds another degree of difficulty to Purdue being able to get to that sixth win. And then they've still got to play both Ohio State and Michigan State from the east. So it's a really tough schedule. And I see this as being a five and seven year if things, you know, go as I expect them to. Purdue, so really like
1: the Missouri was a big swing game that sort of, you know, as we were doing all of our, like trying to keep everything balanced, that was one where you, you kind of felt like if, if you like Missouri going into this year and you're picking them right there, if you like Boston College, then all of a sudden you can't count those as wins for Purdue. Yeah.
0: Uh, what, what do you think? I like, I actually like the pick. Uh, the more, the further, the more I've gotten, the closer we got to the season. The more I've been worried about Purdue because of the defense. I think you're going to hate Purdue this year because there's going to be a lot of overs. Yes, there's going to be a <laughs> lot of points because they're going. To, I mean, they're going to put up points. Like I, I trust Jeff Brown to do that. I just don't trust them to stop teams. And, and again, like you mentioned, I mean, they're playing Missouri and Boston College, who are two teams that I feel pretty good about being a lot better than people realize this year. So. I, I, I feel like this is a five and seven. T- I, f- I feel like one step back this year, two steps forward next year type of exactly. situation here at Purdue. All
1: right, uh, I've got no action on Purdue. Do you have any action on Purdue?
0: No, I, I don't have any Big Ten action at all. I'm, I'm scared of all those numbers.
1: Well, sorry. So take us, uh, what's, what's your first lock for the uh, for the book?
0: Okay. Uh, I, I will, in In relation, you know, there's, there's sort of tangentially related here. Jeff Brom, uh, has a few degrees of separation from the program I'm about to talk about and that's Louisville mm. um, the number that I've seen is seven and we're going to try to keep you guys up to date with the most updated number
1: yeah I had to I had to change some of mine yeah. thanks for passing In along fact, the new numbers
0: I actually had to scratch a couple of teams off just because the numbers started creeping a little too high for me but seven is still mighty tasty for me for Louisville and I am going under seven, um, look, I my distaste for the direction of that program. I feel like I've, I've I've made it pretty clear on our on our ACC podcast. Well, a lot of this goes back to uh, reaction to the Brian Van Gorder hire. Yes, that is a, that, <laughs> <It's> like, like <laughs> this is almost like forget everything else. But when when Bob Petrino hired Brian Van Gorder. I don't even look at the number. Just go under. <laughs> like I and so it, it, but I think that hire in addition to a, a, what was not a, a strong hire last year at defensive coordinator Peter Sermon, and and now you're looking at a program that basically like the number seven. Okay, so they got to get seven wins out of eleven games because Alabama is just a loss. Like there's just not. A world in which Louisville is going to beat Alabama in in the opener, so so then you find all right where are those where are those wins? And I think you know you're going to have Kentucky at the end of the year where they're just going to be scraping and clawing and, and thirsty for a win after playing in the SEC. Uh, I think that the rest of the the ACC is going to you know when you have again I think step up years from someone like Boston College. I think Florida State is is going to be hungry for some revenge there as well. Virginia. I just think across the board, I don't trust this team losing one of the best players in the history of college football offensively and having a defense that is only four star only four starters returning and a defensive coordinator that is left Notre Dame in a mess. I feel pretty good that Louisville is heading in the wrong direction right now.
1: Okay, uh, does it change your mind knowing that? Uh, a triple crown winner was on the cover of the media guy justify that's gotta
2: be worth at least a that's half gotta a win. be
1: worth like half of a win when you have the triple crown runner. and does it change your mind do you know what Juwan Pass's nickname is puma puma that's it's an I, amazing nickname yes it's very hard for me not to root for this guy <laughs> knowing that and it, it doesn't even did you know that before media days I did. I did not yes. know that. And that's like what Bobby Petrino like calling him. He's like, well, you know, I, I think Puma's done a good job. He's, <laughs> he really needs to be a little bit more of a vocal leader. But, you know, we're working on that.
2: Something nobody's brought up, though. His nickname's Puma. Louisville's an Adidas school.
0: Mm, it, a lot of conflict. Could it cause some conflict? Yeah. Maybe
2: some locker room trouble there.
0: <laughs> Maybe. In all seriousness, I do remember Puma Pass in high school and he was relatively highly rated. He was a four-star guy, but he was trending down towards the end of the process because man, he was just he was a ways away. He was very raw. And I think now coming in like while I'm sure he has developed year 1 with that guy, I just I I don't trust him. And maybe year 2 like the talent starts to really break through, but I don't I don't believe in him in the first years, it started
1: all right so uh purdue under six barton with louisville under seven i'm going to keep it right there in the acc atlantic you mentioned them right there boston college over six uh we've got some uh numbers right now again we're trying to go to the most updated ones boston college i'm seeing it at six six and a half guys can i can i take the low number on this one for the book say, yeah, yeah. okay uh here, here's the reason number one uh, you guys, we're going to get a full season of AJ Dillon, yeah, and a full season of AJ Dillon behind five returning offensive linemen could be two thousand yards. Uh, I think that you look at Steve Adazio and where he's brought this team. You know, we we counted on a lot of Boston College unders, and AJ Dillon ruined being able to do Boston College unders because ultimately. Adazio doesn't necessarily have a preferred tempo, but he definitely has a preferred physicality. And if he thinks his team can run and be that kind of downhill physical team the whole time, then he's going to run it up-tempo. And uh, Sweeney is a great tight end. And as we're sort of looking through uh, the wins and losses, Boston College is a team that I think is going to beat Louisville. Boston College is a team that I think is going to beat NC State. I think Boston College is going to be a problem uh, for a Florida State or a Wake Forest. And so it is... Not hard for me to look at what I believe is Boston College's best team in four or five years, and to think that they're going to be able to finish seven and five.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at their schedule; you can make a realistic argument. They have the tough game on the road against Wake in their third game of the season, and then they go on the road against Purdue. But I think Purdue's beatable. I think the next game at home after that, Temple's beatable. This is a team that could be four and one or five and zero. Is early, you know, in early October.
1: And Wake Forest uh, suspended starting quarterback for the first three games of the year. Yeah. So.
2: so, this is, yeah, they're, they're poised to get off to a really good start. And then, I mean, things take the turn for the worse at that point because they've got NC State on the road with the Louisville team. I think we all agree we think they could beat Miami, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Florida State, and then they finish at Syracuse. But I think that going into early October, <laughs> you're going to be feeling really good about this Boston College over, and then you're going to be sweating a bit come that little gauntlet there in the middle.
0: Uh, I am with you. I am locking up on, the, on, the, on the board. Yes, right. I'm on the board. All right. Okay, and and forget four and Chip, you and me are going to be cashing this ticket on <laughs> October 13th when they go seven and 0 to start the season, and all of college football is buzzing about the Golden Eagles. Talking about uh, the dudes. Yeah. Now it's going to be. They got Miami and Clemson and Florida State down the home stretch, and, and at Virginia Tech. So.
1: That's but, a scary you know, game for Miami, we, though. Yeah,
0: we better hope that they're looking good at that point. Right. But for a team that is probably Steve Dazio's best team at Boston College, for a team that does bring back a running back that is as good as there is, potentially, in college football, we think, and their defense is always good, they're, they're they're toying with some pace now, like they're toying with, with mixing up tempo, uh, all their offensive line is coming back, as you mentioned. Uh, I just think like a losing ticket is they don't make a bowl which is I, hard for me to fathom that this team just doesn't make a bowl and so i i feel pretty good about at least getting a push out of this one even though i like i i think this could be an 8 and 4 9 and 3 seat team right and and yet if worst case scenario is 6 and 6 and we just push it then then i'll take that but i don't think that's going to happen i think they I think Louisville gives him the gives them the, the, the money uh, October 13th.
2: Yeah, it's strange how quickly the narrative on Boston College has kind of flipped. Because there's only like yeah. two years ago where they were just kind of the nobody afterthought in the ACC. And now it's like they're a legit
0: dark horse. Well, and even last year, I think, wasn't it? I mean, there was still some, like, Steve Adazio was still working his way off the hot seat. Mm-hmm. And so he needed, like... He went on a run in October yeah. when A.J. Dillon came
1: out. They put, like, Did it start with 50, the Florida State win? They they beat Florida State, right. Virginia, and Louisville, and put up like forty five. But in, they beat Florida State thirty
0: five to three. Like that was the game where we were like, whoa, wow. whoa, 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 whoa. This <laughs> 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 is what's going on here. Is Florida State that bad? Is Isn't Boston it? College that good? Yeah, like, yeah, what do yeah. we think of this? But when you make, it, I don't care how down Florida State ever is, like that's sort of a shot across the bow if you're able to put up thirty five to three type of win on them to say, all right, we we could have something in the in the cooker here coming. Uh, and, and I think that this is the year we see that sort of come together for them.
1: And Steve Adazio also has gone through a lot of uh, personnel changes. You mm-hmm. know, he's he's lost Don Brown. He's lost, I think Ryan Day even, was spending some time yeah. on the Boston College staff before, before he started making his way, now ending up at Ohio State. So he's, uh, I mean, he's just a dude, you know? <laughs> he's just, he's going to be able to do it. All right, Tom, you, you got next.
2: Uh, my next pick, we're going to the Pac-12 out to the lovely West Coast. Not really, but... Arizona mm. under seven and a half. Kevin Sumlin obviously, it's his first year there with the Wildcats. I mean, this is a team that won seven games last year. So when the total is at seven and a half, I was I was, I was already kind of you know raised eyebrow. And then I, the deeper I looked at the schedule, it's just I just don't see Arizona being a team that's going to improve enough to get the over in someone's first year. I love Khalil Tate, obviously. You know, he's he's my spirit animal. It's just. I don't think this team has enough depth, particularly playing in the Pac-12 South, that I think is going to be more improved this year. I think USC is still obviously going to be USC. I expect Utah to be solid again. I, th- I don't think UCLA is going to come. Chip Kelly is going to step in there, and all of a sudden UCLA is a competitor to win the Pac-12. But I think it's going to be a better coach team than it had been in recent years. And I just don't see a lot of gimmies on this schedule. I mean, even like you know Oregon State, they've got to go on the road. But they've got – you know they play BYU. They've got a non-conference game. At Houston, they've got USC at home. Then they've got Utah on the road and UCLA on the road in back-to-back weeks. They follow that up with Oregon at home. They finish and then they finish with Wazoo on the road and of course their you know annual rivalry game with Arizona State. I see this as pretty much being another version of the same team we saw last year, finishing at seven and five, six and six, getting to a bowl game. But I don't have any expectations higher than that for the Wildcats.
0: The numbers, what seven and a half? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I actually projected them at six and six when I was just Digging through their schedule, uh, I don't have them on my on my list, but I agree that if you're going to take a, I mean, seven and a half is a pretty big number. That's high now the the counter argument to you is that they played a bunch of freshmen on defense last year, and that they those guys got you know live bullet action, and they're improved, and they're talented, and the offense takes a step forward with with Rich Rodriguez and and Khalil Tate but I tend to lean on your side too in the sense that like everyone knows who Khalil Tate is now Mm -hmm. he's not sneaking up on anybody the rest of the division the rest of the conference really is going to be better I mean even Colorado Steven Montez is really good I think people are sleeping on how good they could be potentially Um, and and Arizona State even I mean we've talked about them Chip like offensively they've got plenty of, of of skill and talent so I'm with you that to expect 8 and 4 that that does seem like a tall ask. Yeah, it's a bridge too far.
1: But it's reflective of an excitement with that your Kevin spirit Sumlin. yeah, that your spirit animal Khalil Tate also mm-hmm. is going to have take wait. Like I I think the uh it my initial reaction was to get really excited about the Kevin Sumlin Khalil Tate marriage, but where I'm at right now and of course Because of the way we talk about preseason, I will have been able to talk myself into like three different opinions by the time the first game starts. But like right now, it's just more excited about Khalil Tate. Let's just remember that for a hot second, this guy was the greatest thing that we saw in the sport. So what what does his next step look like i'm i'm still excited for it i'm not taking the over yeah i think i mean he's one of the most
2: exciting players i think in the country i don't think anybody here is going to argue that it's just i still think he's got a lot of room left to develop as a passer i mean he's obviously as a runner he's just he's a thrill what does
1: arizona have at wide receiver anymore
0: (sighs) nobody i mean they got what like sean poindexter and tony ellison and shun brown they like they have a bunch of i mean they don't have any household names it's a bunch of like slot type space guys and i just don't like look i'll be honest with you i've been on this train but if if ken niamata was the head coach i would not be as heavily in your corner on this one tom like i think that real tate wouldn't be in your corner either yeah which is crazy But, like, I think they have the personnel there. And not that they don't have personnel that Kevin Sumlin can win with, but I think the personnel fit better to what Kenny Matalolo would have brought because it's very similar to what Riff Rodriguez was running, uh, which for, for some reason escaped Khalil Tate. But, th- you know, this is more of a a play to develop Khalil Tate as a passer. And that is going to have some growing pains attached yeah. to it.
1: All right. Arizona State over.
0: Four and a half. You're on it, huh?
2: I'm going with it. See, I can't pull the trigger on that team either way because I have no idea what's going to happen.
1: They won (laughs) six conference games last year. I
2: know, but it's just the situation with Herm Edwards and everything. It's so strange. I feel like that's a team where they could easily reach the over on that. They could end up with seven wins, eight wins. They could also finish with two. So it's like I had such a wide range of finished products with that. I, I had to stay away. I, I respect the hood spell you got going in there. Lose,
1: but, all right, so they lose a lot on defense. Yes. Uh, but their offense, as you mentioned, between uh, Manny Wilkins, Neil Harry, uh, they lost some good running backs. But we feel like especially that – and I, I won't lie. Like there is a little bit of me that's just kind of – I'm kind of rooting for Manny Wilkins to play well and to have a good season. I, I, I kind of think that for for this team, the veterans on it, they might be able to like, – like where Herm Edwards doesn't really know how to necessarily connect with the kids quite yet, if you want to use that as a, a method for looking at Arizona State, I feel like the guys who are there and the guys who are leading this team don't need someone to hold their hand. Yeah. I think that they're going to know uh, exactly what to do and how to take care of their business because – I mean, they're all 21, 22 years old. So I'm going to be rooting for a Manny Wilkins success. I'm going to be rooting for Arizona State, and a little bit of it is contrarian because I just think everybody's bagging on Arizona State. Right. And at four and a half, I don't even need them to make a bowl. Yeah. I just need them to like, beat Arizona at the end of the year to go five and seven.
0: That, I feel that a little bit. Like I feel like it's, it's a little bit like in the season when you're looking at the line movement or you're looking at 90% of the public on one side and, and – and it just looks like this feels like just it's it's a hot thing to do to bag on Herm Edwards and dog, like, uh, the old man. But the reality is, yeah, he probably does come in here, and he has put together a decent staff, and he probably does come in here. I mean, he's got tools there in place already. He's got a quarterback in Manny Wilkins. He's got Nikhil Harry. He's one of the best receivers in the country. Like, there are pieces in place for him to win six games. Yeah. You know, like, he could figure that out. And I'll I'll say this just I mean like at the Big Ten media days he wasn't on camera and it, this was off like I was just talking to Lovey Smith and I, I was like look what's your opinion on this like you made the jump from NFL to college like how hard is this can Herm Edwards get this done do you think like what's your take on it he was like oh yeah he was like he was and look I know that there's a relationship there I'm sure but but Lovey Smith someone who's probably in a similar position here to Herm Edwards as anybody. Was very optimistic in his ability to turn the corner quickly over there, and I just think he didn't he didn't inherit a dumpster fire. Yeah. So let's not assume it's going to be some total disaster in year one. So I, 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 I'm not on this game, but I don't I don't dislike the pick. Yeah, he's he's stepping into a much better situation
2: than what Lovey himself got. Sure. In the noise. Yeah.
1: As as we know, <laughs> what, it's year zero, year one, yeah, 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 yeah. yada yada. All right. Uh, okay. So Tom. Has two on the board, Purdue under six, Arizona under seven and a half. Shocker, a couple unders from Tom <laughs> Uh Barton, Louisville under seven, and also Boston College over six. Chip, Boston College over six, Arizona State over four and a half. Tom, what you got next?
2: I am going with another under. Shocker. <laughs> uh, we're going back to the ACC. I'm taking the under five and a half for Pitt. It's There's so much that Pitt has to replace on offense. If there's any good news, it's that most of its offensive line is back, and that always helps a little bit. It's just this is a team that struggled last season and has basically been, if you look at its recruiting, it's been kind of middle of the pack in the ACC. It hasn't been great. It hasn't been awful. It's just I don't know what's really in the cupboard to replace everything that they lost from last year's offense. And I just don't know if you look at its schedule, they've got three difficult non-conference games. They're playing Penn State, UCF, and Notre Dame. Both of that UCF game and the Notre Dame game are both on the road. I just think that this is going to be a five and seven team. I have a hard. To, I, I think Pitt's going to have a very hard time getting to a bowl game this year. At least at six and six. Maybe they'll get in with their APR scores at five and seven. I don't know. But,
0: <laughs> but if they do, you've cast your under 5 five and a half. <laughs> that,
2: that's all that matters.
0: <laughs> so, I, when I look at Pitt's schedule and I've I just sort of projected out, I get five and seven. So in that sense, I agree with you. And yet, I would be very scared to play this for two reasons. One is they've got their quarterback. Kenny MF and Pickett. Kenny MF and Pickett. And, and it's not even just like, yeah, we think we got this guy that we like. It's like, no, no. They pushed all their chips forward on Kenny Pickett last year because by starting him, they ran off two upperclassmen, Mm -hmm. and now their quarterback room is empty. So that that, I mean, they cast a huge vote of confidence in Kenny Pickett, and so in year two, like you expect or I expect, Kenny Pickett to be, I think a at worst middle tier quarterback in the in the ACC. He can be Nathan Peterman. Yeah, I, I think. I think long term he's Peterman. Yeah, he's better than Peterman probably in the long term. I still can't I can't believe that in Peterman we're talking about like an NFL draft pick. Well, That's it's, it's it, well, you got
1: to remember Pitt's the home of the Peterman and Tom Savage.
0: Right. <laughs> like, he's right. yeah.
1: incredibly... QBU. Yeah, I mean honestly, Pickett's the first one where I feel like uh, in a long time, like maybe since. Sal Sanceri's son that has like come in and, and played as a freshman and, and he, I was talking to somebody at, at Pittsburgh yesterday they, they are like they right. said we have really struggled to have winning quarterback play here in the last couple of years and we feel like we've got it with Pickett they, yeah. but we need to find some quality pass catchers they, yeah. they've they lost some good dudes over the last couple of years and uh, they think their defense is going to be better but man that schedule is so tough it is but and so- where do they stack against the other coastal teams like you know where does Pitt stack against like Carolina, and Virginia need to be wins mm-hmm. for Pitt to be able to hit yeah. this number? Uh, where do they stack up against Georgia Tech?
0: Where do they, you know it's it gets a like little they, bit well, tough. yeah? They need to beat like a Virginia Tech at home. They need to beat they need to beat UCF. You know they need to be, so yeah like and this they could right right It's right. just but and here's the here's the here's point two on why I would be scared to play the under is. The first few years of the Pat Narduzzi experiment at Pitt, you hear about how, okay, the defense is gonna take a couple of years to really learn the system. Well, now we're in we're in year four, and they return nine starters, and if there's ever gonna be a year, like, I feel like if Pitt's not good this year, then do we really have confidence that they're ever gonna be good? Like, isn't is just Pat Narduzzi a de- like, I don't wanna say a dead man walking, but if, he, if they go five and seven this year, after going 5 and 7 last year, don't we just kind of think like they're never going to be better than a 7 and 5 team under, under Pat Narduzzi? And so I think if this is, if, if year four with his defensive system, nine starters back, a bunch of pretty good players back there, like the, the defense should be good if Pat Narduzzi is the coach that we're led to think he is. That's the other part. Like I'm just, I, w- I don't know where the wins are going to come from, but I'm not ready to bet that they're not going to find them.
1: All right. So we got Tom under five and a half for Pitt Barton. What you got next?
0: Let's uh, just make this thing, uh, an ACC party, <laughs> keep, it, keep it, keep it there in the ACC. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go Duke. Yes. Um, cause I know you're not going Duke under no, that is no. not very on brand for this podcast. going against. Cut Never, Cut. I've got so much work to do to counteract all of uh, Tom's unders. I gotta, I gotta find as many overs as I can. Um, so yes, I'm on over six. I believe is the number I saw for Duke, uh, and I this is a this is a little bit of a bet on Daniel Jones and the hype being real. Sure, um, and I I've, I I feel pretty good about Daniel Jones and just sort of watching him when I saw him last year and just kind of what his tool set is, how tough he can be defend to defend when he is on his game, and so here we are. And David Cutcliffe is got his next potential first round quarterback, and I'm gonna assume he's developed him at a high level. I look at the guys that they've got coming back. They have running backs that I that I'm familiar with that can get the job done. They've got a bunch of receivers, like guys like T.J. Roming, who I think have a chance to be really good playmakers defensively.
1: Dude, Joe Giles Harris.
0: Joe Giles Harris. Monster. They got one of the best secondaries in the ACC. I just think across the board this is a team I feel like I can trust and then so and, and again this is one of those deals like this is this seems not missing a bowl I mean I know they they're a 5 and 7 bowl team probably based on academics but they're not <laughs> you just they're not missing a bowl they're not not getting to 6 right. wins so this is another team like I could visualize 9 and 3 there is there is a path to 9 and 3 for this Duke team and That is a significantly clearer path to me than five and seven. Yeah, I I think we're going to have the answer to this
2: one after the first
0: three weeks. Yeah, sure,
1: absolutely. They've got to start Army at Baylor at At Northwestern.
0: Northwestern. Yeah, that's and and that's that's, tough. It it is tough, and I think they go. They probably go two and one. That's probably the most realistic result of that. Though I think three and zero is is a very real possibility, and then you're looking at you know potentially 4 and 0 to start the year with NC Central. Yeah. Uh and then all of a sudden you just got to scrape out 3 wins against Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Virginia Pitt, North Carolina and Wake. I don't think it's hard to find 3 wins. No. There. Uh-uh. <laughs> all
1: right. Uh is this is this bad that this is so much ACC?
0: Hey, but got uh, got to go where the money is, find the value. Lie, I've got I've got one more ACC team <laughs> on my list. <laughs> um That I mean ACC was to me where like there was clear Market value. Yeah, I thought there were really strong lines in in some of the other. Like, I just thought there were some bad lines in the ACC.
1: Virginia Tech under eight and a half.
0: I didn't put it there. I thought about it.
1: I I'm I'm thinking that as as I'm continuing to to pass out these wins and trying to figure out where they're going to come. Uh, Virginia Tech opening the year at Florida State. I think that's a loss. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Tech at Duke. The way that I'm counting Duke, I think that's a loss. And then all of a sudden, it's not hard uh, to see a Virginia Tech team that in, in the first two years under Justin Fuente was very quickly a 9-10 win type team. It's not hard to imagine that they're going to take a step back to 8-4 and four when you consider the losses on defense, uh, some of the question marks there are offensively. Now, I will say that you know if this number was 8, I don't know if I would... Like if if this number could move to eight, and I I don't know if I would lock it up to say that this is a seven and five Virginia Tech team, but man, it looks like an eight and four team. Yeah,
2: when I went through their schedule, I got them pegged at eight and four too. So I yeah, I I agree with the pick. I mean, you look at that schedule. It's I think I agree they're probably going to lose that opener against Florida State. Then they'll win their next three against William and Mary, ECU, and Old Dominion. But then things get a little you know a little tricky. You look at on the road against Duke, at home versus Notre Dame. On the road against North Carolina is probably a win. Georgia Tech could go either way. BC could go either way. Pitt should be a win. Miami's probably a loss, and Virginia's probably a win. So there's like there's like two or three games in there I think that are going to be make or break, but I, I definitely see four losses on this schedule.
0: Well, and they return – like initially they returned four starters on defense. And it's changing every and day. And it's like every day they're losing <laughs> another one. And even like the guys – that had stepped up to replace some of those starters, which were, uh, by the way, like guys like Tremaine Edmonds and um, our boys, uh, the 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 other Edmonds, the other Edmonds. <laughs> yeah, Terrell, <laughs> Terrell, Terrell, Terrell and Tremaine, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, like the guys replacing them have then like bounced. like the like the their secondary is down to. And just so I'm not an idiot, like Ricky Walker on the
1: defensive line, uh, the defensive tackle is a fantastic player. Mm -hmm. Like, if it wasn't for all of Clemson's defensive linemen, who, by the way, were all of the first team, all ACC, like Ricky Walker would be talked about like one of the best defensive linemen in the ACC. He's a good player. It's not like Bud Foster, a great defensive coordinator, has nothing to work with. It's just in the big picture of Virginia Tech football, which I give Justin Fuente credit for reestablishing a higher level because at the last Frank Beamer years we were talking like beat UVA to get to a bowl game like it was it was seven wins it was six wins like credit Justin Fuente for doing that but at the same time I just don't think that the personnel is there in this cycle to be able to maintain it for another year there's got to be some sort of small step back before the big step forward which is hopefully in Justin Fuente's eyes being able to win the ACC,
2: yeah, and it, making the uh, coastal a lot more competitive with Miami, hopefully too, because I feel like we're looking at a situation where Miami could just become a little too dominant in
1: that division. You're, you're not ready to. You're not. It's, it's like Miami's like, okay, okay, okay. You just got back. Yeah, we're not yeah, really yeah. ready to. I don't, I
2: don't, do we really need another Miami dynasty? Come on, <laughs> <haven't> we had <laughs> enough of those. <laughs>
1: uh, all right, so we let's go back to Tom.
2: Staying in the ACC, (laughs) got my first over. Now, this one is somewhat contrarian, kind of along the lines of what you're doing in Arizona State, because I understand all the reasons why the number is where it is, and why most people are probably leaning the under. But I'm taking NC State over seven. Now, I know that they lost the best defensive line they probably had in school history. Oh,
1: oh, you mean like one of the only defensive lines to have all four (laughs) players drafted? (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: So that's obviously going to be huge and that's going to be a big deal because that was a key part of why they did so well last year but I I still think that with Ryan Finley they might have the best quarterback in the ACC. And sure. I think that and the college level having the best quarterback on the field usually is a huge advantage for you from week to week. And then I just most of the offensive line is back so while they've got to replace some guys like Naheem Hines they've they've got the OL, the O line back and I always love teams with offensive line returning starters. And when you look at the schedule, it's not there's nothing on there that really worries you. They've got the road trip to Clemson, but that's a loss no matter which way. Right. You are not expecting The be
1: home Clemson. game against West Virginia is going to be 52-45, to 45, yeah. and if NC State is able to get the ball at the end of the game or intercept Will Greer in the end zone, they're going to win that game.
2: Yeah, they get, they get the West Virginia game at home, they get Virginia at home, they get Boston College at home, Florida State, Wake Forest. All these are home games, and all of them become more winnable because of it. And then you know they finish up the year with a road trip to Louisville which we've already discussed we think is going on a you know a different trend. So I could see I don't think this is going to be a 9 win team like it was last year like hanging around with the ACC title hopes in the, in the Atlantic cuz I think Clemson's going to run away with it, but I think this is a team that's going to get to 8 wins.
1: I don't think you're going to lose that one. That's a you know, I like push, like yeah. that that's another number where even uh, even losing West Virginia I still see them at seven and five mm-hmm. winning West Virginia. I think I've got them around eight
0: and four. I really don't. I, this is, I have such a non opinion on NC state. <laughs> like I'm sitting here listening to you guys talk. I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, it just feels like a Dave Doran anonymous seven and five <laughs> and maybe eight and four, probably not six and six, but that maybe. well, yeah, I just, I don't know. Like I, that's, 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 Barton Simmons when I gave
1: you NC State's number on the ACC podcast you said, "Huh, yeah. Dave Doran's a, Dave Doran's about a 7-8 win coach." Yeah, it's like,
0: "Yeah, they're going to I, a nice I man. wish I could yeah. just bet I wish I could just bet that it will be 7 or 8 wins. It won't be less, it won't be more. It will be 7 or 8 wins." Uh, all right, Barton, back to you. Uh, all right, let's get the hell out of the ACC. Um, I'm going to I'm going to burn my last under of the day. And I'm going to go all the way to the Pacific Northwest.
1: Oh, is this Washington? You know where I'm going.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Washington State under six and a half. Uh, so there's a, there's a few reasons why this one is one that I like. The main one is Mike, Mike Leach. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's basically like what. So I, I think that if you are going to. Basically, accept another job, try to leave your school, and then come back. That is not an insignificant incident in it in terms of team building and being able to have a you know everyone pulling in this in the right direction in the same direction. That's what happened. I mean, he he was gone. He wanted out. They all know he wanted out, and they wanted out for the SEC, which is you know the Pac-12 is always just kind of overshadowed by. He was going to take take that big check and head to Knoxville. And now he's, back. now he's back and like everyone's supposed to be pulling in the same direction. So that, that's point number one. I think a team also doesn't just flip the switch and be okay emotionally after their starting quarterback commits suicide. Like that's just, that's gonna be a tough thing for that team to, to overcome and get past this year. Uh, and then, then there's also the Alex Grinch. I mean, who was really the reason that Washington State has made this run. I mean, all credit to Mike Leach for turning this thing around at Washington State. It's been very impressive, but the credit is to Mike Leach for hiring Alex Grinch, who wasn't a big name when he hired him as a defensive coordinator, but has turned into a superstar. Well, now he bounces out of town to take a co-DC job at Ohio State, and their defense loses Hercules Mata'afa and some other really special playmakers. And now... You know they at four stars to turn on offense, six stars to turn on defense. Gardner Minshew's the quarterback. I don't know, man. What's there to really like is sort of my thing, and so I'm I'm betting that this is a this is a non-bowl type of season. Maybe, maybe. But you're locking in at six and a half, right? Yes, I'm under six and a half. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, I don't, but I think this could be a five and seven. Like I tried to only pick. Get it, my numbers. I tried to pick only numbers where I could see myself winning by more than just like a half Ooh. point, or you know, and like the ones I was really confident on. The true on. market inefficiency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think this one, like this, feels like a five and seven type of team. You know, maybe Cam and Cooper comes in as a true freshman and midway through the season just lights a fire at quarterback, and and they turn into this unstoppable offensive juggernaut. But there's just a lot of factors in play here that make me believe Washington State is due. For a cycle down year,
1: I'm on the Washington State under as well.
2: I'm yeah. I'm not. I six six and a half. I got yeah. I got him pegged at six and six. But I think going back to your point about Leach, as far as you know him coming so close to leaving, I think you know they're obviously Tennessee. The appeal of the job between the SECs, it's obviously an appealing. It's a step up. But you also sometimes see when a coach is really intent on leaving like that. If it's because they know right that they're yeah. the next season, they're probably they like, this is, gonna is not going to shine yeah, yeah, yeah. nearly this as brightly is, twelve months. This was
1: Mike Leach now. trying to cash cash yeah. in on his yeah. stock at like it's as like, high as it yeah, was going to like, get. You
2: know, a flipper. You know, like you buy a house, you build it up, flip it, and you move on to the next one. He, he could have looked at this as a, a situation where he's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to win nine games with this team next year. I might, you know. So that always worries me a little bit too.
1: I I am uh, I am on the books for the Washington State under six and a half. I'm also on the books for Stanford over eight. I just didn't realize when we thought Stanford was this middling Pac-12 program that was going to be like uh, seven and five, eight and four team. I mean they they've won the Pac-12 North four out of the last six years. They routine like their down years are eight and four. And with Bryce Love coming back and with uh, KJ Costello, if he's able to be fully healthy, I I just looked at this. This was another one, at Stanford at the, the number eight. I was like, I'm not losing that
0: one. No, you're pushing it. Yeah,
1: pushing it the worst. So I'm locking in at Stanford over eight. That's an odd number
0: because I, you're right. Like, and, and I, I don't have it, but I would feel very comfortable if I did have it. Like I, I, you know, my theory for why that number is so
2: low, and I can't, I don't know for sure. I've also got Stanford going over that eight. It's just if you look at their first five games. It's San Diego State, who they lost to last season, but I don't see that happening again. But then they get USC, and they get their week off against Cal Davis. But then they're on the road at Oregon and Notre Dame. That's a really tough start. That's a really difficult first five games. So you kind of wonder if maybe the thought process is, once they get into October, where they have another tough game with Utah, the kind of body blow theory. Mm. So it's like, with the, the way that they play, you, have, you wonder if this team might not be 100%. We saw last year Bryce Love dealing with the ankle injury so I'm wondering if that's what led to it. Whereas this team could be limping down the stretch after what's going to be a really difficult start.
0: Yeah, I think the defense is going to be tested. You know, um, Lance Anderson isn't in a need to sort of. I, I think, surprise, bring Stanford defensively back to like that, Rose Bowl that foundational yeah. deep because that that I mean they got they let things get away from a little bit last year, which was which wasn't characteristic of of Stanford. So. If they don't hit that eight wins, it's because the defense like I don't think Lance Sanders is there next year. Like it's because the defense has just totally tailed off. Because I think offensively, that's a this is a chance to be like as as good of an offense as there is they got good in tight the ends. country. Like they've got I think I mean, I was screaming last year that KJ Costello was their best chance at quarterback and, and now it's gonna be his job. Bryce Love goes without saying they have great tight ends. Trent Nerwin at receiver is a really solid option. At at uh, offensive line, this is sort of year two with that same group last year where those guys are all going to be, I think, a big like taking a huge step forward. You know, do they do they miss Mike Bloomgren, the offensive coordinator who's now the head coach at Rice? I don't know. I mean he was their offensive line coach. He built some really impressive offensive lines there. But man, that's hard that's hard to envision Stanford at seven and five. You're yeah. right.
1: Uh, all right, so you are you on the Stanford for the as a lock? It's not a lock, but okay. I've,
2: I've got them finishing at nine and three.
1: Okay. Um, all right. What's uh, what's next? Who's up? I
2: believe it's me with another over.
1: All right.
2: And as you know, I discussed earlier, my first under the pod was Purdue. They were my team last year. My team this year, the Tulane train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Tulane. I love Willie Fritz. I've been a fan of him just for years. I've you know I've been calling for schools to hire him the last few years. And now he's entering his third year at Tulane. And we're looking, if you look at how Tulane went last year, they only went five and seven. But if you look closer, they lost to Navy on the road by two points. They beat Army. They got killed by Oklahoma. They got, but they be- covered. Yeah. They got beat up pretty good <laughs> by Memphis, but they hung in against USF. They hung in against Cincinnati, they beat East Carolina, they beat Houston in their second to last game, and then they hung in with SMU. This was a team that was pretty good to start the year and was just getting more and more familiar with the scheme that they run, that that option offense, and was getting stronger as the year went on. And I think coming into this year, the total is at 5.5. So basically, can Tulane get to a bowl game? If you look in the AAC right now, UCF's not going to be UCF of last year. USF is kind of going on a downward trend. Memphis and Houston are still the two best teams in Tulane's division, but I don't know that they're as dominant as they had been in recent years. Is Tulane in the West? yes
1: oh that's too bad because yeah east is the east is where you just there for the taking the east would
2: be the the easiest money you could ever hope for that's the problem they're in the west but i just think that there's such a power vacuum right now in the aac and they're a team that is kind of poised to step up and take advantage of it i think that they're definitely winning six games i actually haven't pegged at seven and five so i was feeling really good about the total being set at five and a half because that's a that's one and a half wins i think you know i've got cushion there
0: market inefficiency. I like that pick. I didn't pick it, um, and this is one of those one of those teams that you look at their schedule, and then like if you have to actually pick out the six games, like it's hard to figure out where they're going to come from. But I'm just trusting in the trajectory under Willie Fritz. And you're right, like they, I mean, you just like that's the type of offense that every year the players get accustomed to it; they just get better. Like the machine is more well oiled, and so those little two yards here, two yards there that it takes to win a game are going to start shifting towards their side. And so I'm with you. I, I, I really like that pick a lot.
1: You ready to start talking about Gary Patterson? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you talked about Stanford. Like, when did they become this middling pact? Tw- like, that's my theory with TCU. The number seven and a half. I, I think TCU is, it, I mean, they, they've, potentially like a 10 and 2 type of team. They could have an 11 and 1 type of year. Like that's how that, that's what this TCU team is. The the quarterback situation is is a little bit scary because Sean Robinson is I think still a, a work in progress. But he's got some weapons around him on offense. Darius Anderson and Shaywo Alana Lua I think are one of the more intriguing backfield tandems there is out there anywhere. I really like that 2-0. Cavante um, Turpin is a stud, all-purpose guy. Jalen Rager is one of the fastest guys in college football. Like That offense has proven to us that we don't have to worry about it, and I can point you to the skill players and the playmakers to where you shouldn't worry about it anyways, regardless of who the offensive coordinator is. So I really like that side of it. And then defensively, like let's just assume, I mean again, we can trust Gary Patterson. He's got a, he's got a balance at this point where defense and offense are in sync. He's not hurting his defense with his offensive pace. He's found that middle ground and this is going to be one of his best front 6 front 7 groups that he's had at TCU. That to me is a recipe for success. And when I look at their schedule, they have Ohio State non-conference, and every game in the Big 12, with the exception of Kansas, is losable, but I trust TCU, and I trust Gary Patterson to figure it out. I think this is a 9-3 type of team, and 7-5 and feels uh, very unlikely.
2: This is our first disagreement. Ooh!
0: I'm, lock fight, not, not a lock fight. Oh, no, okay. no, no. Oh. The, the
2: look in your eyes when I mean, you were like lock fight, <laughs> but no, it's uh, i I'm on the. I think they're seven and five. I I, right. I got the under, My my concerns with TCU this year is we've seen it's just in the past where Gary Patterson's team has those reset years, and they lose so much off that team. And my major concern. is... Is that offensive line I think there's one returning starter maybe two on the offensive line they've got some of the least starting experience on their offensive line of anybody in the country and I'm pretty sure they're dead last in the Big 12 and that's always a huge concern for me the defense I don't think I don't really worry about a Gary Patterson defense right my concern is are they gonna be able to score enough to keep up with the rest of that conference and I just see other teams kind of taking a small step up this year and maybe I think TCU is going to be the one that gets taken advantage of or at least falls victim to that and comes cr- crashing back a little bit and then wins 11 games again in 2019.
1: <laughs> see, I don't have this as a lock, but I think I'm fading Oklahoma State and West Virginia I'm fading in West a way Virginia. that that's where I see the real estate open up, not just for, you know, TCU to to maybe hit this, but like that's where Iowa State gets excited and about its ability to move up because last year sure it beat the best teams in the conference but it also lost a bunch it of lost games. games it shouldn't lose <laughs> right, if you're able right, to beat right. those teams right so I, I do think that there is within that middle pack of the big 12 uh some some room for movement do y'all think that oklahoma is without a doubt the big 12 champion yes
0: i think they're the big 12 champion
1: yeah i can't talk myself into anyone else I can't either. I think TCU is my pick. Like when we have to do our order of finish, I might have TCU second.
0: I mean, I, I think the offensive line is fair or because Texas. that was a strength of theirs last year. Mm-hmm. Like that was a clear strength of theirs, and and they're reloading there a little bit. But I I, I just think like they've got I don't know. Like, I think that they've got playmakers. I think, and I think that they're and and when you when you counteract that with the defensive side of the ball, where I think they're going to be extremely stout. And that four two five that they run, like I think that that's that. Ultimately, like when when they're good, the defense is good, and I think that's going to carry them this year. And and you talk about yes, they have those reset years. So if it's a reset year, yeah, maybe you're looking at six, seven and five or six and six or whatever. But when it's not a reset year for Gary Patterson it's oh, really eleven good. and two yeah. like <laughs> yeah. it's you know and so I, I ha- happen to think that this is not a reset year and so we'll be closer to double-digit wins than we will be to seven yeah I mean there's a reason I'm not locking it up yeah. I just
2: I'm, I'm more on seven and five than I am eleven and
1: two. all right Tom right. lock it up ah uh, we're gonna go with another
2: under we're going to the SEC where we are going to the SEC West in particular and I am taking the under six on Ole Miss Ooh. okay I am, My major concern with the Rebels this year is that while they have talent at the top, on that top level, I just don't think there's a lot of depth to this team right now, and when you're playing in the SEC West, you need depth if you're going to be competing in that division on a weekly basis. So, I look at Ole Miss as a team that could get off to a nice start this year and maybe, you know, g- get you some good feelings. Their are first the open against Texas Tech, which I think is going to be a more difficult game than a lot of people want to give credit for. I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch. Really
1: fun game to watch, yes. And then,
2: you know, they've got Southern Illinois, which should be a win, but then they hit Alabama, which is, I think, we're safe to say is a loss, and they get Kent State. And then once the conference play gets really rolling with LSU, Arkansas, Auburn, South Carolina, A&M, Vandy, Mississippi State to finish it in the Egg Bowl. I just worry that by the time we get to November, I don't know what's going to be left on this team. And I feel like this is a team that could be, you know, they could be three and three, four and three at that point, And then just completely bottom out in the final month of the season.
0: I am 100% behind your, your methodology, methodolo- what is it? Methodology. Methodology. Yeah. I'm behind your methodology here. I started, I, cause I, I picked all the sec games and, uh, I've got an old miss starting 5 and 2, finishing 5 and 7. Yeah. Because because of that, like I think if the team that is 5 and 2 is playing against South Carolina, A&M, Vanderbilt, and Mississippi State, then they go 3 and 1 or 4 and 0 oh or whatever. But it'll be a different team. Mm-hmm. It'll be it'll be a beaten up team. They'll have a couple injuries. I was talking we were talking in the green room day with with uh with Barrett Salee and and I, I do not I remember if you guys were in there or not. but Oh, no, you asked aloud.
1: You said, how bad is Ole Miss going to be next year? <laughs> Ole Miss 2019 could be scary,
0: like really scary. Like Jordan Ta'amu gone. Okay, they got uh, Matt Corral back. Who is he throwing to? Because all three of his receivers could be gone who are all potential like top three round picks. All of his offensive line could be potentially gone. Defensively, it's not like it's loaded to begin with, but they got to – I mean, that could be a nasty year. And I think we'll see a little bit of what that team looks like at the very back end of that schedule. So I don't have it as a lock, but I'm projecting them at 5-7 and too.
1: All right. uh, Lock City, South Carolina.
0: Over seven, you dudes love South Carolina. <laughs> hey, made me money last year. Yeah. Is going make me money this year. I'm with you. Double right. up on that one. Double up. Yeah, like these, you
2: can't see it, but they're both wearing Will Muschamp t-shirts <laughs> right now. It's like the Hulkamania font, but it just says Muschamp.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, loyal listeners of the show, or you know, anybody who listened to the SEC, uh, it. We just, I just don't think that this team's going six and six. I think this is a, a push at a minimum. Uh, I think South Carolina is a dangerous team, and I think that when you, if Debo Samuel can stay healthy for the entire season, he's a yeah, difference that was maker. A
2: huge loss for them. Yeah,
1: and you know they were they, they were still competitive in a lot of these games, and so I, I i trust I trust this defense to to continue to improve, even though you don't know the super like. There's no sky more. You know, you don't have the the name players yet, but I don't know, man. There's I feel, I feel comfortable locking this up.
0: Yeah, I just think Vegas is still behind on South Carolina. And maybe that just means that the public is still behind on South Carolina. Like they still think South Carolina is this bottom dweller team in the SEC, and I think perhaps people don't realize that this is a this is a dark horse SEC East title contender. Like they that's not They finished I, I,
1: second place in the division last yeah. year. Yeah, they
0: went 5 I've, and 3. I've got them 9 and 3, and I don't think that that's I don't think that I am taking any Sort of huge leaps of faith to get them there. I just, I'm going to go through their schedule because this is, as you look at this schedule, it's really manageable. Coastal's a win. Let's just call Georgia a loss, even though that's a home game that I think they'll have a real opportunity to scare Georgia with.
1: Yeah, buddy. SEC dancing. game of the week. Let's. Yeah, we're dancing if South Carolina <laughs> wins that one. Let,
0: let's call Marshall a win. Let's call Vanderbilt and Kentucky wins, okay? I mean, look, they could lose them conceivably, but I think they're better teams than those teams. So that four and one? So that's four and one. I think Missouri is a tougher... Missouri A&M is, is, is a scary little stretch there because both those teams are, are tough, competitive, good football teams, but they're both at home. So I think you can sit in right there one, two, three, four, six, and one without really feeling like you're taking any huge leaps. And then you go Tennessee at Ole Miss, both games that they're probably favored in, at Florida, let's just call that a loss, even though South Carolina fans probably don't want to. At Ch- or Chattanooga's a win and then losing to Clemson. Like, that's a that's a very, you know, standard... South Carolina football season nine and three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is.
2: I mean, this is still a team that won eight games last year, even after losing Dio Samuel. They. They. It's not like this was a team that's coming off a mediocre year. And I. I agree with you. I think that Vegas and the general public. I don't know if it's South Carolina as much as they're still a lack of faith quite in Will Muschamp to this point, because I think people still view him as what he was doing at Florida and don't realize that he's improved as a head coach as far as running, the, not just the recruiting, but as far as game day with offense and all that stuff. We always know he can do a defense, but he's figuring things out on the other side of the
0: Yeah, ball. and you talk about like uh, finding value in the market. like That's a clear, to me, value opportunity, because I think you're right. I think there's a general perception and maybe not even out of general perception maybe even like there might be a lot of people within the college football world that have the perception that Will Muschamp is somehow an underachieving coach and yet i'm going to take the actual flip side and say i think Will Muschamp's a really good coach who is actually going to add value to your to your win total rather than than remove it so I think because I think they take a step forward developmentally. I think this roster looks even more like an SEC elite or a top tier roster. Um, they have Jake Bentley coming back. Not only do they have Devo Samuel coming back, but I mean, look, this is going to be um, year three now where Brian Edwards can continue to evolve as an outside threat receiver. Like, they, this is just a team that I think is capable of of playing more than just the underdog dark horse card. I but think I, I can, think
1: that that's part of the Will Muschamp. Champ. Like, I think Will Muschamp with the University of Florida like I wonder if just the Will Muschamp experience works better at the chip on your shoulder university than it does with like the blue blood front runner
0: maybe like if you're if you're fading South Carolina that, that should be your mentality but I I think my argument would be that I I bet you that Will Muschamp is right now preparing this team and I think they think they're Alabama like they, I think they are probably to the point right now where when they line up against Alabama, they believe that they are ready to beat Alabama. Now, whether that's true or not, right? But they, I think they probably believe that, and I think that stems from Will Muschamp being. Hey, I've been at Texas, I've been at Florida, you know, I've been, I've, I've coached under Nick Saban, I was all at Auburn. Like, hey, we're there, guys. Like, let's. let's so, I, I just think that that is going to start to permeate the program, and if they do start six and one or if they do beat georgia oh, and man. that confidence starts building that i think that's just a it's a game changer
1: all right uh tom how many do you have left
0: this is this will be my
2: last one all right uh we're finishing on and over we're going off brand i am taking and i i already know what the reaction around this table is going to be to my pick but i'm making <laughs> it anyway i'm taking penn state over nine and a half i like it it's, wait did you know that we were going to like it i thought you were going to hate it
0: no, I I do I will never hate a Penn State pick. I don't. I would not take that. I in in, in the in the Big East
1: four, like where you got to just start like knocking down the ducks to see who's left standing. In my mind penn state and ohio state are the two at the top i'm knocking down the michigans and i think that penn state and ohio state are the ones that are going to be battling
2: that's almost precisely where my my idea or my thought process is behind it uh i i think everybody expects penn state to take the big step backwards because of saquon barkley leaving because joe moore had left to go take over mississippi state but this is still james franklin has done a phenomenal job recruiting to penn state this is a very talented roster and when you look at the schedule I mean, you got eight wins right here. You got Appalachian State, Pitt, Kent State, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Rutgers, and Maryland. Those are eight wins in my mind. So you look at the other four games, the tough four games, which are Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. All The only one of those on the road is the Michigan game. So essentially, to get to the over, they just have to go two and two in those games with three of them being at home. So if Ohio State's a coin flip, I think they're beating Michigan State in Happy Valley. I think they're beating Wisconsin in Happy Valley. I think they could go into Ann Arbor and beat Michigan. I actually have them pegged to go eleven and one in the regular season. So with the with the over under set at nine and a half, this was a comfortable over for me.
0: Hey, look, that's a compelling. The way you frame that, I think, is compelling because what did you say? App State, Pitt, Kent State, Illinois, Indiana, Rutgers, Iowa, Iowa, and Maryland are all Rutgers Maryland. You're calling all those wins, mm-hmm. I think the only one out of that group that that really even I mean when you consider I think point the point being here that their their home schedule is very favorable. like mm-hmm. they're getting Iowa at home that's that I think that's a good point. So they got they got eight games that I agree with you they should win. so they should be the, the, the floor is eight is eight and four. and then they to, to say they're gonna split those other four I, that's a I, like I'm with you there. The reason I have a hard time saying, all right, they're going to be the top one or two in the in the East, is because I just think as 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 good as they're recruiting, I think this is the first year, or maybe I should say this, I think this is the last year where they're not Alabama, Ohio State, um, I don't know who else you want to throw in that mix, Clemson, Ma- Clemson, where you lose all these guys, the NFL, and then you just backfill them with the next guys up. I'm not sure they're there yet. I think that they'll be there like next year. I think the way they're recruiting is is getting them there. I just don't know if this is the year. So they are losing eight starters on defense. Mm-hmm. They're losing Saquon Barkley, and that worries me less than them losing Joe Moorhead. And, and look, Ricky Ronnie may prove to be like the next stud coordinator in college football, and I, I have a lot of respect for Ricky Ronnie but that's a to me that's still a bit of a, a leap like we're we have to trust in that and so i just think when you talk about those four games that the season hinges on i, I think at michigan's a tough task i think wisconsin's going to beat either michigan or penn state on the road they're going to win one of those i think and then i'll go michigan you know and then you got ohio state and michigan state who, who is, so i just i'm not like, I, I can't i'm not there but i, I think I can I can get on board with your reason. I mean, I think anytime you're taking it over when the totals at nine and a half or higher,
2: you're always kind of doing a little bit of a high wire act, anyway. But I I just I like Penn State, man. I think Penn State's going to be just fine.
1: Also, uh, I need to apologize, like because I made a lot of errors over these last like seven podcasts. You know, as we were just sitting here talking, I said that Penn State did not won a Big Ten championship. They had won a Big Ten championship, but it was the year that Ohio State made it to the playoff when Penn State won the Big Ten Championship. So Penn State, Corrected. I did not take away. How are your <laughs>
2: mentions after that?
1: Well, it's it's been a slow trickle. It's been a lot of, hey, bud, <laughs> <laughs> been catching up on the old podcasts. <laughs>
2: I'm sure, it was very respectful. It was quietly. Listen, I am thankful me, for sir, you made an error. <laughs> yeah. and I would like to point it out to you.
1: Yeah, I, I am thankful for the uh, respectfulness of our of our. We you you can always get in get in our mention. Slide up in there. So all right, Penn, Penn State over nine and a half for Tom. Um, I'm cleared out. I I, I was going to jump on Buffalo, but that feels like I'm just it feels like a reach. for Yeah, you. It feels, feels like, like a guess. Well, it feels like I'm just. I mean, that's like a, uh, you know, me signing up for uh sports line and just blindly following tom just because he's the number four mlb expert on <laughs> number sports, four so. baby <laughs> um but yeah I, I like buffalo by the way six and a half for those who didn't listen to the group of five but uh so I,
0: is this your last one i i am craig bowling you guys into an over here yeah here we yeah. go uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go on the record here with wyoming over six and a half I'm I I'm a little scared that I'm being like lured into a trap here, because this is look I'm I am not as comfortable rolling around in the mud as our good friend Tom Fernelli. when I mean, it comes to is, the Mountain West. Like, yeah. <laughs> I like to stay clean and, and and keep my shirt tucked and play at the big boys and like the Power Fives and the and the blue bloods, but I'm digging in here the Mountain West, you know, and and I am I'm betting on the, on this over six and a half like that just that number is is odd to me can you consider they are returning nine starters on offense they're returning eight starters on defense yeah they lost an nfl first round draft pick but this coaching staff like that hadn't seemed to be an issue in the past like them finding quarterbacks they also lost all his turnovers so that should help them yeah (laughs) i mean and then tyler vanderwall like has some pretty good you know back channel reviews as well at quarterback you know they've got guys like carl uh, granderson who is uh, a potential NFL guy as well. I, I the schedule is tricky. You know they do have Washington State and Missouri in the non-conference. I think that they, this could be a team that is part of the reason why Washington State is an is an underplay. I think they could beat Washington State. Um, you know they've got Boise State at home. That's tricky. Like they go, they do go to Fresno State, but I feel good about them beating Colorado State on the road. I feel good. About, I just feel good about them. When you look at their schedule, I trust this staff with a lot of guys returning who were so, who were billed as the reason why Josh Allen didn't put up big numbers because oh he lost his supporting cast. All right, well these guys now have have had a year to develop, and I think they take the next step forward next year with Tyler Vanderwall. I'm I'm just I'm not going to shy away from trusting in this program. I'm going to go over six and a half.
1: I love the the Josh Allen. Uh, it, so it's like it's the Hackenberg, it's, yeah, yeah. It's the Hackenberg <laughs> yes, effect, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, t- yeah, you okay? Have fun Tank NFL em. with your second round quarterback. I'm gonna take Trace McSorley and go win a Big Ten championship. Uh, that's that's what's gonna happen here with uh, with Tyler Vanderwall
1: and Craig Bowl, By the way, I'm convinced we'll be playing in Mountain West title games like every other year as long as he stays at Wyoming because we've got CBS has the Mountain West title game. Mm-hmm. It always is. It occupies a very like. Beautiful spot in the schedule where everything's winding down. You're trying to figure out who's making the college football playoff. The ACC game's going on over here. The Big Ten game's going on over here. And Craig Bowles running two-point conversions (laughs) over here in the Mountain West Championship game held on campus. Uh, I like it. Wyoming over 6.5. All right. To review, Tom, Purdue under 6, Arizona under 7.5, Pitt under five and a half NC state over seven Tulane over five and a half Ole Miss under six Penn state over nine and a half Barton Louisville under seven Boston college over six Duke over six Washington state under six and a half TCU over seven and a half South Carolina over seven Wyoming over six and a half chip Boston College over six, Arizona State over four and a half, Virginia Tech under eight and a half, Washington State under six and a half, Stanford over eight, South Carolina over seven.
0: I think we're gonna make make the people some money. Are you done? I am done. Do you have one last? I'm I'm probably done. But can I just tell you how tempted I was to go Houston over eight? I I think Houston. I right now I think Houston is the the AAC champion. So, so that's that's my like bonus. If you that's just, your encore. If you just, yeah, if you, you came just out like and played the court, for money's burning. To the all, whole episode. Yeah, that's that's gonna be my like. Uh, yeah if it hits I'm gonna say you guys remember I talked about that one at the end of the podcast no it sounds it, like
1: you're just gonna be like going UCF residual income <laughs> university of residual I, income I might find,
0: there's gonna be a new university of residual income this year I don't know who it's gonna be. It be it might be Houston <laughs> but that changes year to year all
1: right gentlemen thank you very much you can follow him at Tom Fernelli you can follow him at Barton Simmons you can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson uh, we will be back soon we've got camp buzz coming up we got big game previews um, and of course one once week yeah, one comes around, locks. week one locks. Blue so we'll be back to lock it up. Thank you very much, five gentlemen. Star Thank locks you.
0: Come get,
1: get these down. locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up.
0: You want these locks? I'm I'm, I'm living and dying every every point every cover.